Welcome to the show. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, ball players, coaches, umpires, whoever you might be. Welcome to episode number one of Balls, Strikes, and Bourbon, a podcast about umpiring baseball and softball and bourbon whiskey. I'm joined by a gentleman who lives several thousand miles away, but due to technology, is able to be here with us. Um, I'm Bernie, by the way, and I'm here with Josh. Josh, say hi. Uh, Josh, say hi. <laughs> We're off to a solid start. So, Absolutely. Josh and I have, during the, during the COVID, when TikTok was really first coming, becoming a big thing, we, we bonded on there over um, some spirited debates with those less educated or, or less uh, knowledgeable about baseball. And we are both umpires, and then we discovered that we also run in uh, the circles of the internet that, that are about bourbon whiskey. So, and those are my favorite circles, by the way. They they're the most they're much more delicious and relaxing than the baseball ones. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot less arguments uh, going on in the bourbon circles of the interwebs than there are in the umpire circles. So, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of the uh, the bourbon circles of of TikTok and Facebook and Twitter. Um, I I find myself I don't know about you, Bernie, but I find myself searching for. Uh, new avenues uh, to expand the world of bourbon um, versus searching for avenues to expand the, the my world of umpiring. I, you know, maybe maybe I like bourbon better than umpiring. I'm not saying that I do, but you know, maybe time will tell. I use umpiring to afford the bourbon. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I use bourbon to uh, tolerate the world of, of umpiring sometimes. So, you know, it works out. Well, and, and you say that, and it's, it's sad because I've been umpiring. I've taken a couple of years off here and there, uh, but I have been involved, even if it hasn't been on the field, um, with umpiring baseball since 2004. And just saying that blows my mind. This is, this is my 19th year around umpiring. Um, that's, and it, I took a couple seasons off the field, but I was still very much involved with people. You know, guys are, you're still meeting up with guys after games and, and your people are calling you when they have weird plays and stuff, but almost 20 years of being around it. And, and you said tolerate umpiring and it's, it's sad. And this is not going to be a bitch fest about fans and, and coaches and players, but please, if you're listening to this and you're not an umpire, you're a player or coach, parent. Remember that we're just dudes, right? We're just dudes and, and, and women. We're just people who love baseball and we're doing our best, just like the ball players and coaches are doing their best. We shouldn't have to tolerate umpiring, but sometimes we have to tolerate it because of people getting out of hand. Yeah. You know, Bernie, um, you know, the old saying is, is true. I kind of hate this old saying, but it's, it's true. Those who don't play any, or those who can't play, I hate I hate wording it 
those who can't play. I think it's those who don't play or those who don't play anymore. They either umpire or they coach. And honestly, the um, it, there's not a whole lot of difference between the two other than, you know, one perfects their craft at teaching others how to play. And the other perfects their craft at um, managing the game. And that's what we do as umpires. We manage the game. We, we enforce the rules um, and we try to do so without anybody noticing us. But sometimes, you know what? Sometimes we've got to be noticed. And, um, you know, it's kind of like a good bourbon. You know, uh, some people, there's a lot of people who don't really know the difference between um, the simple bourbons. But every once in a while, they, they get a taste of a, a good bourbon and they're like, oh, you know what? There's a difference in that bourbon. You know, sometimes we got to be that bourbon and we got to we got to make a difference. And sometimes we get noticed, you know, so what? But uh, as long as as long as I have no problem with getting a call from a coach or a fan and saying, you know what? So and so was, a, you know, didn't have a real good game. OK, well, tell me what happened. And when I hear what happened, I'm like, you know what? That guy was just doing his job. Yeah. And he got noticed. And sometimes we get noticed. You know, so I hope uh, I hope people kind of if if they get one thing out of this podcast, I hope, you know, they understand that sometimes a good umpire gets noticed and and sometimes a bad umpire gets goes unnoticed. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this this uh, little venture we're taking upon ourselves. When and not just that, but sometimes a very good umpire has a bad night. You know, and you get out there on the field, and for those of you who've never umpired who are listening, when you when you walk off the field after having a bad night, you feel like shit. You know you were off. Something was off. You you, you just couldn't get in position on the bases quite right. You felt off. You couldn't get your strike zone down where you want it to be. You know it, and you're kicking yourself harder than any of those people in the stands or either of those dugouts are. Um, And, and people don't understand that it's not just, oh, we're out here to, I mean, and granted, there are, I'm sure, some guys out there who are just, I'm here to collect a paycheck, I don't care. But mm-hmm. a lot of us take pride in our craft, and if I walk off the field and I go, man, I had a, I had a rough time, I know it, and, and, you know, I'm not going to dwell on it, I'm going to go, what did I do, what could I change, why did I, what made me have an off night, and I'm going to move forward, but a lot of these people think that it's like some malicious, like, he was out to screw us. No, listen, I just... I just had a bad plate stance all night and I wasn't calling that pitch for your guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. It, it's crazy. And it, it, um, I, I have never walked onto a field pregame and thought, man, I cannot wait to screw coach Smith or I can't <laughs> wait to screw coach. John. You know, I woke up this morning, had me a nice little bowl of uh, Cheerios. And as I was, as I was chewing that, though, that, that, little bite of trios and I was like, you know what? I can't wait to do it. Six o'clock tonight. I can't wait to screw coach Jones and those 14 year old little pricks, you know, like, <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, we, we go out there. I mean, I'm going to say for 99% of the guys who really want to be umpires, don't get me wrong. There's some guys out there that have to be umpires, but for the most part, like me and you, we want to be umpires. We, we, there are things about the craft that we enjoy that we love and that we want to get better at. And I think honestly that the 
whenever a guy finds a craft that he wants to get better at, that's really when what I call the lovemaking starts. You know, there's there's a lovemaking about this this craft. And we want to we want to do the things that that make it better. We go to the gym, uh, although you know I've I think I've missed. I think tomorrow is going to mark about the 997th day in a row that I forgot to go to the gym. But I do do I do other things, you know, that make that that I want to make me better. I study the the rules. I uh, I listen to coaches. I go to camps. I listen to guys who have been. Um, out there. I listen I listen to guys who've been out there longer than me. I even listen to guys who've been out there shorter than me. Yeah. Guys who I mean there there are guys that have been out I've been out there for 21 seasons. And there are guys that have been out there for a lot less that are way higher up. Um I listen to those guys. Um I, I try to learn from them and and that's the beauty of umpiring. Uh, the beauty of it is uh, when you get into a core group of guys and you want to be better, um, man, there's nothing, in, in my opinion, just from watching guys grow and watching myself grow, there's nothing more beautiful than watching, uh, well, maybe there is, but let me just put it this way, watching a guy grow as an umpire is an awesome thing. And watching a guy that gets it, that understands it, that understands that there's, there's not, I mean, of course there's a science to umpiring, right? But the art. It's an art. Umpiring, yes. Man, when they grasp that it's an art, you're just like, oh, man, watch this guy go. Cause here he goes. He gets it now. The proudest, my proudest moment as an umpire has been, and I'm not going to say any names, any names. Uh, if I use a coach's name or player name, it's purely made up because no one, nobody else has consented to have me put their business out here in this podcast. So I'm not, I don't say names, but 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I walked on the field. It may have been a little longer than that. I don't Dates are, dates are irrelevant, but I walked on the field with a guy and we had a double header. I had the first plate, he had the second plate, and there were two other guys who had come off another field, and they were walking past, and these were uh, varsity high school games, uh, a tournament, I think, or maybe it may have been a college showcase. Either way, it was, it was varsity age players. I'd never worked with this guy before, he's about my age, and the other two guys were guys that I've known for years, and we walked off the field after this guy's plate. And all three of us at just about the same time said, if he keeps this up with those mechanics, how smooth he is, how calm and collected he is, he's going to be a major league umpire. And this year, when Major League Baseball released the list of new full-time hired umpires, I was able to send him a text saying congratulations. So, Yeah, and, that's great. Yeah, as, a, as someone who has come up and been a young umpire, as someone who has watched other young umpires and, and people above me, like I was just so proud. I'm like, this is a guy that I've got to watch and grow and sat in the locker room and he's helped me improve my game. And we've had conversations where I helped him with a, a weird situation he had on, on his, his plate or whatever. You know, I've, I've gotten to know him well over the years and, and 
even even just seeing a guy get a minor league job or something like that is a huge step. Um, and and seeing him on that list of names, you know, getting hired full time by the you know highest level you could possibly aspire to be um, was just really cool, really cool. I hope to see him work uh, at some point this season. I got to see him work last year as a call up, uh, but it's 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 really cool because it's umpiring is not outwardly competitive. I, it, there's always guys fighting for playoff spots and being a crew chief and whatnot, but at the end of the day, everyone benefits when somebody improves and moves up. Well, yeah, yeah and that's, I think, honestly, that's a, um, that's a big point. Maybe even a, I'm not going to say, that's a great point for our, our podcast, right? I mean, because, I mean, neither me or you or Colin in the bigs. We're not in the show. Hell, we're not even in minor leagues. We're not even on the paperwork for D1 College World Series type stuff. But we're a couple of guys who take umpiring seriously. And I just want people to realize whether you're an umpire or you're a coach or you're a fan that there are guys out there working games that really care about the art of umpiring. They care about the sport of baseball. They care about your kids, maybe not, not their potential, but we, we definitely care about their opportunity for those kids to play. Um, if we didn't care about it, then we wouldn't be out there. Trust me, I'm not out there. Now, listen, I'm not going to do it for free. Bernie, are you going to umpire for free? I mean, barring any kind of special... Uh, charity game or charity tournament. Other than that, do you umpire for free? No, no, absolutely. no, and absolutely, and I don't either. Uh, now, I don't necessarily umpire for the money. I work with a plenty. I mean, I work with several guys. They umpire for them. That's their. That's what they do. That's one of their main sources of income. And more kudos to them as long as they take it serious and they have the same passion that, that uh, anybody else would have. Then you know what. I am not opposed to guys out there umpiring for a living because that's, I mean, if nothing else, that's pretty much, well, I'm not going to say that's what the guys at the bigs do. A lot of those guys have other jobs as well, but still, I mean, pretty decent money umpiring at the, uh, uh, umpiring in the show. But my point is, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of people out there coaches, fans, players, even other umpires who don't truly understand that, you know what? There is a group, a collective group of guys, and they're nationwide, and they take this seriously. We want to be the best umpire on the field. And I think for guys, young umpires listening, even old umpires who have been at it for a long time, if you're not going out there with the mentality of being the best umpire on the field, man, you're missing out. You haven't studied. You haven't been to camps. You're not working on mechanics. You're you're missing some of the core things that truly make that that will truly make you the best umpire on the field. And even if there's if I work with a crew of two, a crew of three, a crew of four, or even a crew of six, I want to be the best umpire in that crew. And I hope, and honestly, it would do me joy to know 
that the other five guys, the other four guys, the other three guys, the other two, or the other one, want to be the best umpire in that crew because I'll take the competition, you know. Yeah. Well, and hey, hey, Bernie, real quick, what bourbon are you drinking, buddy? You know what? We've we've been here over fifteen minutes and we haven't brought that up. So well, it's, it's time, right? It's t- it is. I am drinking. Um, what are you drinking? It's a limited run this year's Basil Hayden limited run. Uh, it's a red wine cask finish. So uh, tell me about it, because because I've um, I've flirted. I almost bought that one. Well, I say that one. Um, kind of the same deal. Going, you know, you're from Florida, right? Yes. And yep. Is that North Central Florida? Is that where you're at? Right in the middle. Right smack in yeah. the middle. I'm I'm up in the northwest part of Arkansas, in case people were wondering. So we got a Floridian and a, an Arkansan. Um, I'm right in the the very northwest corner of the state. Um, we get, you know, a crazy. It, it's it's just a totally different world up here from the other part of the state. But we do get a a good blend of bourbons up here, and um, I saw the. Basil Hayden uh, rum cask. Did you have you seen that one? I haven't seen that one. Yeah, they finish it in in rum cask, and so okay. it's a it's a it's a nine year bourbon. Now, I think in the, in that Basil Hayden's kind of like premier year, it's nine or ten year, and they I believe that it's, yeah, it's in the eight to ten range. Um, yeah, yeah, and then right beside me, but I believe so. Right, and they finished this one in a rum cask, a Caribbean rum cask, and I was like, "Huh, that's it." I, you know, I almost, I almost picked that up the last time I was in the in the store, and I didn't because I didn't know a whole lot about uh, bourbon being finished in a in a Caribbean rum cask. I, I honestly, I, that's a new one on me. So, uh, I'm I would like to try your uh, your little choice there tonight. So, tell me, you, you got any more uh, to tell us about? that option you have tonight so from from having a having a few sips it's so so a little bit about basil hayden they have a they have a a dark rye which is rye but it they proof it down using port wine so it actually has wine in the rye this the two come off similarly aromatic wise i'm getting on the nose with this a lot of red wine a lot of rich fruits and that scent mixed with the flavor of the bourbon because once it once you once it hits your taste buds switches from being very wine fruit forward to that bourbon really coming through and then finishing off with the fruit and to me it's it's almost like a dessert whiskey it it's almost it's almost something that you want to eat or want to eat want to drink at the end of your meal for something just a little sweet uh, to to polish off whatever you had, good steak maybe, uh, uh, something like that. You, you want this is a this is a good pairing for something like that. If you want something a little sweeter at the end, yeah, that's um uh, that's that's pretty good stuff because I mean we didn't even plant. Me and you didn't even really talk about what we're gonna what we're gonna sip on. Um, honestly, you know what? This is a true pilot because we didn't. I mean, we planned a little bit. I mean. I don't want people to think that we're going into this thing without planning because in the future we're definitely going to plan. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sipping on, uh, a Bibb and Tucker six year bourbon, 
Uh, not that's, a, uh, that's the one you sent me the picture of earlier, right? I did, yeah. I, sent, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go with this one because I haven't, I haven't had it in a while. But it's, you know what? Funny. <clears throat> I don't know if you know anything about them, but no. this one is kind of a, it's kind of a sweet finish. So you know, some people may even consider this a dessert bourbon. Right. It's a dessert whiskey. It's it's got a sweet finish. It's a it's a very strong start. Um, I think when if somebody uh, were to try this without ever trying it before, they would get a very strong um, the, the 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 moonshine start, if you will. But but very quickly, it turns into this almost chocolate slash berry mid taste to it. And then once your nose gets involved, you're kind of like, oh, this is this is sweet. Um, your nose is going to be very involved in the in the berry um, taste of this this bourbon. Um, it's and and I don't really think they intended. Oh, I don't know. I don't know much, you know, about the the creators of this whiskey. But this this when you first taste it, you kind of think. Man, they were really going for moonshine. And then at the end, you're kind of like, well, maybe they were wanting a brandy because, you know, they have that. It's got a little fruity or a little berry, berry involvement in this thing. And you're like, you know what? I don't really care what they were trying to do. This is pretty good bourbon and and affordable. You know, honestly, I'm not. I'm a uh, I will I will spend some money on bourbon. But when it comes down to it, if I'm going to stop in and try new bourbon, you know, if I see something that's $50 versus $90, what are you, what are you going to buy Bernie? I mean, you've seen, you've seen my bar. I didn't get <laughs> this nice setup and, and this collection of whiskey by getting the highest price stuff. Exactly. So if somebody price of one, I'm going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Somebody says, you know what? You might want to try uh bib and, t- and I don't know bib and Tucker from, from Adam. Um, they they haven't paid us for a sponsorship yet. Have you gotten a check? I haven't gotten one. No. And uh, yeah, and so I'm sitting here looking at this this. I mean, it's a you know I've had this bottle for a little bit and I've tried it in the past. Actually, uh, had to knock a little dust off of it to be honest with you. And I was like, you know what? I remember this thing being actually pretty pretty little strong uh, beverage. And so um, yeah, I'm I'm all about the Bib and Tucker six year tonight. You know, nothing, nothing special, nothing fancy, nothing expensive, and uh, I'm, I'm digging it. I like it. I like it. I've got a, I have a Scotch that is it's it's a Glenlivet, and it's called Caribbean Reserve. It's and it's also aged in Caribbean rum casks, like your, oh. your uh, like your bourbon. So, at so some wait point, a minute. So is that the ocean? Uh, what do they call that? The ocean something? No, you're thinking of uh. You're thinking of Jefferson's Reserve. You're right. Jefferson's, thing, the Jefferson's ocean. ocean that they age on ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, that's pretty good stuff. I mean, honestly, I don't. I've never had an issue with Jefferson at all. I'm sitting here looking at a bottle of it right now across the yeah. bar. Yeah. Hey, you know what I realized the other day, Bernie? Is uh, can't go. You know, I I can't go wrong. Maybe you're different than me, but. I can't go wrong with a simple uh, Woodford Reserve. I had a I had a little sip of it, the, or I had a little glass of it the other day. And I was like, you know what? Woodford Reserve doesn't get the credit they deserve. I guess because they went mainstream. Yeah, I don't know. 
it's because they went mainstream and they they yeah. have some they have some they had some gimmicky kind of stuff they put out, but agreed. It's still quality whiskey. It's like well, it's like it Maker's Mark. A lot of people don't like like well, Maker's is cheap. No, Maker's is consistent. It's solid, and yeah. once you get past their regular Maker's, if you start looking farther down the shelf, you'll see they oh, have like two four nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the FAE series. I have a whole shelf just uh, of Maker's Mark. Yeah, all their yeah. variations and everything. Kind of, uh, you know, what 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 this uh, little discussion about whiskey reminds me of is kind of the diversity in bourbon, the diversity in, and you mentioned the Scotch, which I'm a big Scotch fan. I'm a, I'm a, the McAllen fan. I love the McAllen 12. I love the McAllen 20, McAllen 18. Um, but kind of reminds me of the diversity in baseball rules. What do you, what do you think about that? You've got official baseball rules, which if you're oh, yeah. a major league fan and you don't watch any other levels of baseball, you are, whether you know it or not, you're familiar with what's called official baseball rules. We refer to it in the umpiring world as OBR. Wait, wait a minute, Bernie. I just want to. I just want to. So, is that the same thing as what MLB.com puts out there, or is that totally different? No, it's the same rules. Go to MLB.com. I don't remember where it is, but if you search rules, there's it's, a drop down. it's in there. It's amazing, yep. isn't it? Yeah. Pull it up. Look at it. Then you have your NCAA, which is your now. Now coach. take that. Hang on just a second. I just want to mention. Don't go to MOB.com and then go to the search bar and try to search for rules. Actually go to the rule book tab in MOB.com because you can go to the search tab at MOB.com and it will totally screw you up. But yeah, it's amazing that the rule book is just right there at your fingertips. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry about NCAA. Oh, you've got your, your NCAA, which is National Collegiate Athletics Association. That's your college rules. And then you drop down from your college, you have NFHS which is National Federation of High Schools. That's high school rules. And then in a lot of your youth organizations, USSSA, Babe Ruth, Cal Ripken, they use official baseball rules that have modifications made for the safety of youth players because grown men following those rules are less likely to get hurt doing certain things than a kid is. So they make some modifications for safety because it's kids playing at that level. But at the core of those is official baseball rules. And then you have little league rules, which are like weird as hell, <laughs> but I respect them because they Absolutely. are, they are a governing body. They put their rules out and they're, I, I hate one of the things I hate the most is when I see someone in, in a comment section or, or in a video say that's a little league call. I follow on, on TikTok and 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 I know in real life some very very good umpires who umpire little league baseball and they're very good at it. So a little league call, what does that mean? That means it's a that that's a good call by their rule book. What's that, I hate that insult. I think that's one of the worst insults you can have because that is disparaging the little league level and it's implying that someone who umpires at that level cannot be a a good or accomplished umpire and make good decisions. And that's just completely false. It's, it's so incredibly stupid that I, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent about it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what, you know, you bring up social media and, and honestly, I'm, I am very proud that we've, you know, spent 25 plus minutes so far and we've, we've barely even discussed social media. What a toxic 
uh, environment. Uh, I think Facebook maybe has gotten better over the past eight, nine years, but man, it just, it's just like what a toxic environment that Facebook and TikTok that they are, especially when it comes to the world of baseball. You can't, I mean, it's almost impossible to make a simple baseball rule claim backed up by a baseball rule book reference without somebody saying something about your integrity or your knowledge or your mama. And it's just like, what is going on? I, I just, I just made a, I even, I even provided a screenshot of the rule and you're still going to sit here and say that I'm a dummy. Like who, like what adult sits around and thinks, you know what I want to do today? I'm going to insult other adults and that's going to make me feel really big and make me feel really strong. I I honestly, uh, not to quote Mr. T, but I pity that fool. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, what do you think about that? I think you and I got into the same argument with the same person today. Uh, That's unfortunate. Oh, you're correct. The guy on the on the video about the uh, visual obstruction. Oh yeah, the the quote unquote engineer slash pitching coach who is just this amazing. They you know it's funny they give you their background, they give you their career, and you're and you're supposed to be like, oh, well, all of a sudden I'm an idiot and I've never studied the rules. You're correct, Mister Engineer, Mister Twenty One Year Professional. You know, it's amazing. To me, longevity, it does carry a little weight, but I'll tell oh, you, this, yeah. I've been, I am, I, I mean, based on, you know, t- time in service and the levels of, of umpire, I may, you, you and I are both veteran umpires, but there, I've had first, second year guys come back in the locker room with a weird play and we're all learning from it. We're going, Hey, you, I've been, I've been around this for 15, 20 years and I've never seen that happen, but based on what you described and, and based on what the rule says, you, you nailed it. You had the modest off the wall play. You this is your third time being on a field, and you already <laughs> had something that stumped all of us. So absolutely, it throwing happens. out credentials only goes so far. Yep. You know what I? You know what I say, Bernie? Whenever somebody throws out their credentials like that, because I'm not a guy that will initiate with my credentials. But if you want to start flexing, I'll I'll throw mine out there. Although mine are they're not as impressive as others. But honestly, the best response is congratulations on your career. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, man. Uh, yeah, I bet you learned a lot in your your uh, seventeen year career in the minor leagues. You, you, uh, you want to you want to talk about Angel Hernandez? Well, you know what, guys that aren't good, they don't make it in the bigs. And I would imagine a guy who has a, a ten to twelve year minor league career understands that. Yep. And that's a good way to just go ahead and just squash the the that whole tenure and 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 don't get me wrong just like you said before tenure does matter i mean your your experience does matter don't get me wrong oh yeah but don't try to use it to make me sound like an idiot because i wasn't in the same league that you were in you know and i i would encourage any umpire never use the level that you're umpiring at as a as a um I don't want to say crutch, but as a as a as a way to 
you know, insult somebody else. Right. Because uh, just because they're they're coaching at a little league level or UAAA level or a Babe Ruth level doesn't mean that they're not intelligent about the game. They may be you may not even know what their their capabilities are. So be humble. And and I would expect the same from a coach when it comes to interacting with me. Just be humble and and maybe umpires listen to me. Maybe be willing to learn something from a coach. And coaches, maybe be willing to learn something from an umpire. It would be amazing to to uh, you know one day come to a spot in our in in the baseball world where coaches are like you know what this guy might be able to te- this umpire might be able to teach me something. Our umpires come to a spot and say you know what this coach he might be able to teach me something. The the my favorite thing to hear come out of a coach's mouth, and and I have heard it, and. It, you will hear it as you get coaches who are, I don't want to say better coaches, but necessarily better, but as, as you get coaches that are understanding that there are things about the game that, that they don't understand. I've gotten to a point where it's, it's nice. I've, I get, it's a refreshing feeling to, I make a call, something weird happens. I see him asking for time. He comes out of the dugout and he gets out to me and he says, Bernie, can you explain to me why you made the call you made? Everybody thinks that when he comes, when they come out to talk to us, oh, he's coming to argue. He's not. A lot of times, he's not. He's coming out to say, can you explain to me what you had on this? Oh, he didn't go straight into the bag. He he tried the old big league move with the arms reaching. Okay, I didn't see that where I was. Thank you. Yeah, he just wants to, he just wants to yeah. understand a lot right. of times. Yeah. And, and it's refreshing because there was a block of time where almost a changing of the guard of sorts with, with kind of a, uh, coaches where there was a, a time where these guys were coming out fired up about everything and you're having to calm them down. And now those guys have become more seasoned and more patient and willing to ask questions and get answers. And it's, it's nice to see. And I'm sure if I continue doing it for another 10, 15 years, that cycle will repeat itself where, these guys will become the old guard and new coaches will come in and they'll be all fired up and ready to go. And then you got to work with them and, and give them some patience and, and help them along. But it's always nice to see somebody come out and just say, Hey, can you explain this rule to me? Cause you made a call. I don't have a clue why. Yeah. And, and honestly for younger umpires, just be ready, be able to explain what you call. Hey, uh, Bernie, I've got a couple of things. We we kind of discussed that we didn't want to go past not a side of thirty minute realm. I think yeah, we're, we're gonna get like thirty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I I just want to. There's a couple of things, and this is one thing I'm going to ask you a couple of things. But one thing we didn't discuss. So I w- I want to know you you're a month in to the world of being a dad. Just just <laughs> give us a a quick snapshot of what you think. All right. Tell us, tell us what you thought it would be like versus what it's like a month in. So I hate babies. I'm gonna leave off. <laughs> I think I think they're assholes. I've always oh. I'm that guy that's in public where I'm I'm understanding. Like, listen, he can't control it, so I'm not mad that your baby is screaming, but I'm also mad at you because he was screaming when you walked into the restaurant. So you knew <laughs> you you like. He didn't start halfway through dinner and you just like, you're like, well, I'm here and I'm eating a 
$85, $90 steak like I'm going to finish it. No, you. he was screaming when you walked in. So I, I've been a little salty towards people. Um, <laughs> and I, so I thought I was going to hate him. Uh, I, I thought I was like, you know what, I'm going to hate this guy because he's going to piss me off like other people's kids piss me off. And uh, I don't. Um, he's a pretty great little dude. And amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he's kind of a dick. Uh, yeah, they all are, you know? honestly, and it doesn't get better. Anyway, didn't mean to interrupt no. you. But um, you know, my hope is I've got I've got 14 years, and hopefully, when he is 14, um, he will decide that he wants to do what I did when I was 14, and and put on a pair of gray pants and a at the time dark blue shirt. Now it's black. Who knows what it'll be then? Um, right. And go out on a baseball field, and at the time, you know, make a little side money and and doing some youth games, pitching machine, and the, the nine and ten year old league, and and I mean now hell. You know, I've I've gotten to learn more about baseball through this than I ever thought I would, and I've I've been to some cool places just for the purpose of umpiring baseball or softball, and met some great people, and made some money, been on TV, met people from all around the world. So I really hope that uh, I'm able to influence him to at least dabble in it. If he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. But I hope uh, I hope that as he sees me doing it while he's growing up, he it makes him want to at least give it a shot. That's that's beautiful because you know sometimes maybe maybe a, a guy makes their mark through the world of umpiring. And sometimes they make their mark through the world of uh, amateur baseball, even if it's no further than the high school realm. Uh, I can remember whenever I was uh, first starting back in 2003, which is, you know, this is my 21st yeah, yeah, twenty first season. Sorry, excuse me. Twenty first season umpiring, and um, I got thrown to the wolves, man. I'm telling you right now, my cousin was like, "Yeah, come, you need to get involved in umpiring." And blah 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 blah. He's been umpiring for probably ten or fifteen years at the time, and uh, before I know it, I'm umpiring fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old Babe Ruth baseball at Bryant, Arkansas, which they are very well known for their appearances in the Little League World Series and uh, American Legion at this, you know, 15, 16 age uh, leagues. And and all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of this highly competitive league. And I'm one year, actually, I guess technically it's my second year, so year and a half. Let's just give me some credit. I'm a year and a half in. And I'm getting thrown to the wolves, man. I'm just like, what is going on here? I, this is, I don't even, I can't even keep up. And uh, all these coaches are yelling at me about all these rules that I don't truly understand yet. And these umpires are trying to tell me all these mechanics that I, I haven't been taught yet. And I'm sitting there trying to, I'm trying to, to soak all this stuff in and I'm sitting there going, what in the hell have I gotten myself into? Like, this is, this doesn't even sound fun, but you know what? There's one little component of umpiring that I think a lot of people don't understand. And there's a competitive, just that competitive aspect, competitiveness within the umpiring world. Not only, not just, I mean, yeah, I want to compete against the guys that I'm umpiring against, but you know what? If they get the nod and I don't, whatever. But there's a competitiveness against the opposite side of the game 
Yep. I want I want to know more about the rules than the coach that I'm I'm playing the game with. I want to know how to be better than those guys. There's three teams out on the field, and it took me about 10, maybe 15 years to understand and understand this completely. There's three teams on the field. There's the home team, there's the visiting team, and then there's the umpires. And it's not like the umpires aren't trying to compete against the home and the visiting team. That's totally the, – the winners are – that's totally up to the home and the visiting team. But don't forget – the umpire team who, I mean, I've spent hours and dollars going to camps in the off season to get better, to yep. truly understand how to, how to rotate on a double play, how to rotate on a double to the outfield when there's a runner on first, um, how to rotate uh, when, when there's a, there's a ball threatening the boundary Um to, to understand the rules and their interpretations when it comes to obstruction. A lot of people don't understand the difference between obstruction and interference. And, no. and you know what I just did last, you know, last fall, I spent $750 and I went to a camp and they spent four hours discussing the difference between obstruction and interference. You don't think that's important? And they could have spent the whole weekend going on about it. Absolutely. And I'm sitting, learn. Absolutely. And I'm sitting there going, who else spent that kind of money? No one on this field did. Maybe my partner, but other than that, maybe probably nobody else did. And so there's an art, and that's what I try to tell people that I, you know, especially younger guys. Whenever I mean, I got I got paired with a guy last week, six uh, A high school, which six A is the highest level of high school baseball up here. Um, and this guy's been umpire for nine years, and I swear we spent an hour talking about just different things post game. Yeah. Uh, We've been texting for since then. Not that he he's, he's not a, he is not a bad umpire. He is going to be a great umpire. I give the guy a lot of credit, but he, he is so thirsty and I love it that he wants to get so much better than where he's at now. And so anyway, I don't, honestly, um, I'm a little, I'm a little, um, I don't know how we got to where I'm at right now. I just, I just kind of looked back over my left shoulder and I saw that Bib and Tucker bottle. So I'm going to pour me another little sip. Yeah. And why don't you close this out there, Bernie? Well, folks, if you stuck around the whole time, we appreciate it. Once again, like like Josh said, there, this is a little more unstructured of an episode. We kind of want to just give you a little peek into our minds and and the types of things that motivate us to be umpires and and the points of view that we'll be sharing as we continue about plays or situations and we're going to say we're going every umpire has hilarious stories and we're going to share those and we're going to talk about videos that we see online and we'll break down plays and rules if this podcast has inspired you to go look up rules don't just look up a rule book there's something out there that exists that a lot of fans and even coaches and players may not know exists, and it's something called a case book. And what that does is it takes the rules that use a lot of legal terms, the pitcher shall, the batter may not, this and that, if then, and it takes it and references the rule, and it says, all right, here's a couple of paragraphs of a play. Runner does this, pitcher does this, batter does this, breaks the whole play down, paints a picture for you, and then it says, based on this rule, here's what you should call, here's how you should officiate that play. And 
that is mu- just as much of our Bible as officials as the rule book itself. And if you really want to learn the ins and outs of some of the more intricate rules, get a case book and look at it side by side with that rule book. And because a lot of the stuff you're going to hear us talk about in upcoming episodes is going to be, hey, this rule, we're going to go into the casebook play about it. So I encourage you to go into that. But enough on that. Once again, thank you for being here. I'm going to finish off this Basil Hayden. He's going to take some of that bib and tucker. Cheers to everyone. Josh, thank you for joining me with this. And we'll see everybody next week. Hey, Bernie, real Sir? quick before we close, I think next week, let's talk about, I'm, I'm going to take a stab out there and say, let's talk about obstruction. I'm going to drink next week. I'm going to drink uh, a bourbon called Kings County. Uh, and I'm not putting you on the spot to, to make a choice. You take your time. But if you got a bourbon that you're going to try while we talk about obstruction, and we're not only going to talk about obstruction, but we'll talk about some other, you know, like he said, stories. But I'm going to try Kings County. We'll, we'll do obstruction, and I think we'll, uh, I'm going to take some of this Maker's Mark Pask strength. That I've there got. we go. It's 109 proof. It's a weeder, so it's going to be a little sweet. But we're going to have a good time. I'm ready for next week already. All right, Josh, thank you. Once See again. You, Thanks, everybody.